So we're starting this new sermon series uh, for the month of September, talking about small groups and how they are the heart of our church, um, how they are so important. And it got me thinking about our small group that, that began meeting this last winter uh, in our home. And, you know, it was, it was kind of hard at first. I mean, it was a group. I mean, it's Jesse and Jill from Caslow and, and Jordan and Danielle from Balfour here and and, uh, and Wayne, and, and it was hard because at first it seemed, like, it seemed like somebody was always gone, like every time we met, and almost to the point of like, should we get together? Well, okay, let's do it. And, and sometimes it wasn't, there was nobody. It was just Tracy and I, and we had put all the food away. And, <laughs> and yeah, yeah, next time, yeah. And, uh, um, well, you guys are coming this week, right? Yeah, okay. So, um, but it was, there was times when it was hard. And, but over time, it got a lot better. As we, we, we have a meal each time we get together and we talk about faith and we talk about faith in our lives and we read a portion of, of especially the Gospels and, and Jesus and talk about that and how it applies to our lives. And, and it's, it's been amazing. And I sit back and, I mean, I love it as we, you know, where, there's, where we have this table and Jesse joked about it. He said, when he first came over, he said, what are these people doing with a picnic table in their house? It's a table that traces down. It seats like, like 14 people. <laughs> but, uh, um, and it's great as we sit around a table and all of our kids and, and we're laughing and telling stories about life, talking about faith and how do we do this? How do we follow Jesus in this situation sort of discussions? It's been really good. And, and I've loved it how the group has um, grown beyond just a, a Wednesday night thing, how we get together throughout the week as well and talk to each other, right? Like, just one example was when Jordan and Danielle, when they had Addison. I mean, Tracy and I were there the next day to, to visit them and, and to see her and hold her and, um, and ride along with them, praying with them, helping them uh, as they were trying to find a place to stay in Kelowna when they were there, uh, when, when Addison needed uh, more care. It was amazing. It was uh, great to be a part of it. And it's funny now because we haven't met in uh, maybe two weeks now, and, and I miss them. I, I want to check in and say, hey guys, how are you doing? What's, what's going on? Um, so it's been really great. And I wonder as I talk about our small group experience, how that fits with some of your experience. Uh, I know some of you are in small groups too, and, and you have some really great connections. And you know what I'm talking about. You, you've been a part of it. I suspect maybe some of you, and this happens in churches, it's unfortunate, but it does, and I'm hopeful that we can that we can get more of you, or those of you who feel this way, that wonder, you know, I, I've been looking for that, Jason, what you've been talking about, and I just can't find it. I'm hoping that as we focus on small groups a bit, as we encourage one another in it, that, that there won't be anybody who's left out or feels like they don't fit anywhere. But you might have questions too, like, you know, is it safe to do this? Is it safe to gather together with a group of people like this and really be myself? Uh, to let people know the struggles that are going on in my life or the things that are difficult and happening in my family. Maybe you, some of you might even be a little bit skeptical. You know, I think, you know, do we, is this really necessary? You know, if I'm studying the Bible and I'm going to church on Sunday, is it really necessary to get into a small group with other people? That's why I love the Word of God. And reading the Gospels uh, this week, I love uh, learning, especially this, this morning we'll be reading from Jesus, uh, his teaching. And... Um, if you guys want to pull out your sheet, uh, the white sheet, or turn your Bibles to Matthew um, chapter 12. One thing I just want to point out, if you look on this white sheet, I just, there's this, this, I put this um, symbol on here. 
this icon. And, and many of you will recognize this is in our bulletin every week. And it's got these three leaves on it. And today we're going to be talking about this, this one leaf of community. Next week, Dave's going to be talking about Christ and our relationship with him. And in the following week, I'll be talking about mission, about how small groups are this group gathered together for mission. But I just wanted to talk about, or read this, this part of the story that Tracy read to the kids already. But you see, Jesus is in Galilee, and, and he's just healed a man who was possessed by a demon. And, and all the, the Pharisees began to question him and say, well, it's by Beelzebub, or we say Beelzebub, but... Um, it's by the devil, basically, that Jesus is doing these things. They're accusing him of this. And Jesus says, you know, house cannot be divided and stand. And as he's teaching them, um, it says, this is where we'll pick it up. It says, while Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, And actually, in the Greek, it says he put his hand over them. He said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. You know, reading this this passage, this part of Matthew's gospel, I was reading it and realizing that God wants us to be close. He wants us to be a lot like family. And actually, because of, and we're going to get into this, because of who Jesus is, because of what he's done, we are family. We are God's children. That makes us family. And as you read throughout the New Testament, there is this common language of family. I mean, Jesus, we just heard him talking about family. That we, followers of Jesus are family. John talks about it in, in his letters too, that as followers of Jesus, we're family. How many times have you read a part of law, one of Paul's letters where it says, brothers, I urge you. And he talks about it even in, in the letters that we are like family. We are children of God. We are adopted into God's family. But it's interesting as I hear this passage, you know, it's still, it never ceases to amaze me just how scandalous this is that Jesus says. You know, even in, our, even in this time, even in the 21st century, to say, if someone, can you imagine if, if you'd come to get one of your kids and they said, who are my parents? <laughs> These are, this is my family here, the people that, that they were talking to. That'd be pretty hard for us. Imagine what, it, well, let me explain some of what it was like in the first century. In the first century, family, next to God, was the most important part of your life. Family dictated everything about you. It dictated your place in society. It dictated who would talk to you and who wouldn't. It dictated what sort of business you would have, what sort of connections you would have, who you would marry. Family was everything. And family honor was a big part of that. So there's just tons of pressure to do things that honored your family. If you did things that were disgraceful, your whole family would be disgraced. And they would sometimes have to, to cast out a person of their family just to save the re- everybody else so they wouldn't all be um, shamed. So family is an enormous thing in the first century. And for Jesus to say, who is my family? This is my family. This is my brother and sister and mother. I, I mean, I'm not sure it doesn't tell us, but I bet you people just about fell over when he said that. But imagine what it would have been like for the people who were sitting there listening to him to have Jesus hold his hand over you and say, this is my family. This is my brother and my sister and my mother. 
Imagine that. Think about that for a moment, that in Jesus, by following him, God claims you as his children. In Jesus, God claims you as his children. Last year, Tracy and I, we had to take a class on adoption. And one of the sessions was about claiming, or claiming behavior with adopted kids. About the sort of things you do to claim your children, to say, you are mine. You're my child. I love you. You belong with me. We belong together. And how important that is, especially an adopted child have things working through, and depending how old they are and how much they understand about being adopted or being given up for adoption, claiming is an important part of life for them. Now, see, the thing is, I think most of you, as I think many of your stories, most of you have been claimed in your life. You know, oftentimes, you maybe not even realize it or thought about it in those terms, but you've been claimed. You've had a parent or parents who have said, you're my child, I love you, you belong with me. Many of us have had that. But I also know that, that many of us have been times when we've been unclaimed or sometimes even abandoned. I mean, I have a little bit of that in my life. I mean, my, my dad, my father, um, left my, my mom when I was one, and I didn't see him a whole lot after that. I mean, you know, a couple of weeks, uh, maybe like a week in the summer sort of thing. And then by the time I was, I think, in my teens, like really not at all until I was in my 20s, I saw him one more time. So there's this, I mean, some of you have similar stories too, or similar elements to your story of being unclaimed. And so when Jesus holds his hand over us and says, you are my family, that's powerful stuff. That's amazing stuff for us. And it's a reality. It's not just something that he says, it's reality. But the moment we begin believing into Jesus... We become a part of God's family. We become God's children. And see, I know some of you, and I know some of the people in our church, how you know, some of the family situations that you've come from, some of the brokenness and some of the unclaiming and some of the abandonment, and how important it is, how powerful it is to hear God say, you are my family. To hear Jesus say, you are my sister. You are my brother. We're family. Now, some of you, maybe you come from a broken family. Some of you come from an okay family, but believing in Jesus has made things difficult with your family. I know what that's like. I have someone in my family who I love who thinks I'm crazy for being religious, let alone a follower of Jesus, devoting my life to him. I mean, some of you, I know you have this in your family as well. We're following Jesus causes tension with other people in your family. And I just want to encourage you that this is good news for us. That, you know, in, in Jesus' time, there are people who would follow Jesus, they would just, if they began to become like a, a follower of the way or a Christian, they would throw them out of their families. So it was amazingly important. We have to even feel that some today, how important it is to be a part of Jesus' family. That not only are we saved, not only has Jesus given us new life and hope and meaning in our lives, but he's also made us a part of our family, a part of his family. So as I'm reading this passage and thinking about it this week, I realize 
I realize how important it is to Jesus that we understand that we are family in him. That you are God's children. That we are brothers and sisters with each other and with Jesus. That we've been claimed. God is saying, you are my child. You belong to me. We belong together. So we see, begin to see how important this is. We can kind of get a sense. I mean, Jesus talks about it here, and it's throughout the New Testament, how important it is that we see each other as family. And we see ourselves as part of God's family. But the, kind of the question is, how do we work this out in our life? How does that, what does that look like for us to treat each other like family? <clears throat> and I couldn't help but think of this other time when Jesus was with his disciples. It was the night that he was arrested. It's actually in John's Gospel in, in chapter 13 when he says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. That's right. It's a command. Not a suggestion. Not a tip. A new commandment that he's given us. That we love one another. If you want to, look, at me, look with me here at, at the sheet again or turn your Bibles to John 13 if you'd like. Um, Jesus said here, A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I want to talk just for a minute about love, okay? What does Jesus mean when he says love one another? Well, let me just say, just if I can, just start off real basically. He's saying, care for each other like family. Care for each other like you'd care for your family. Or maybe, depending on your family, care for each other better than you care for your family. See, I don't think, I think in our culture, love has a lot of connotation or a lot wrapped around in terms of a feeling. And I'm not sure that's necessarily what Jesus is saying, actually. So he's not saying love one another, like be bubbly <laughs> with your church family all the time. You know, fake it till you make it sort of thing. I don't think he's saying conjure up this warm and fuzzy feeling about everybody in the church family. I mean, I, I mean, we can think about even our own families, how hard or how, how kind of difficult or impossible that would be. I mean, I've got two sons, and I love those boys. I love them. But there are times when they drive me crazy. <laughs> and that happens in our church family, too. I mean, not this church, of course, but other churches. <laughs> in other churches, I have heard other people talk about them, where there are people who drive them crazy. And that's the thing. Jesus doesn't say, I command you to like each other. He says, I command you to love each other. And that's different. We can love each other. Even if we maybe like our personalities don't go together so well, we can still love each other. And what I mean by that is care for one another. To be there, to help each other. To support each other. To encourage each other like family. Jesus is not saying, like a new commandment I, love, I, I give to you, love one another. He's not saying, kind of whip up this warm, fuzzy feeling for everyone. If that's your personality, bless you. That's great. Um, but he is saying, care for each other. And it's a command. Care for each other like family. Because I think about it, I would way rather 
us show love to one another than go on and on about how much love we feel for each other than not actually do anything about it. I'd way rather us show love to each other. And instead, I think this is what Jesus means when he says, love one another. There's a, a story, too, in the Gospels where Jesus is teaching and the Pharisees come to him and say, uh, a special Pharisee comes to him and says, uh, what's the greatest commandment? Trying to stump him. And so the greatest commandment is, uh, is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. So the Pharisee hears this, and that's both from the Bible, both of those have come from Scripture. So he says, well, who's, who's my neighbor? Trying to find some loophole. And Jesus starts telling the story of the Good Samaritan. The Samaritan who finds a Jewish man who's been uh, mugged, who's been robbed on the, on the road, and I was trying to think of a good example. <laughs> I couldn't, but I mean, you can imagine like this, this Jewish man who's hurt on the road is, is like a Canuck fan and the Samaritan is like a diehard Calgary Flames fan. Imagine that, but like times 10. <laughs> and he helps him anyways. That's loving him. He puts him on his, his own donkey, takes him to an inn, pays for his care, and says... Do whatever you need to, innkeeper, to take care of him. I'll pay the bill. That's loving him, caring for him. Nowhere in that passage does he say that the Samaritan had daydreams of holding hands and skipping through the fields to music and flowers. He wasn't talking about feeling love, no. He's talking about showing love. I think that's what Jesus is talking about for us, that we show one another love. Now, that can be really overwhelming when you start thinking how big this group is as a church, as a church family. And I've, I've been praying about this, and um, this can be taken wrongly, but I think God, the way he's made us, we can really care for about 15 to 20 people. Like, we can be kind to everybody. We can help all sorts of people. But I mean really care, really be involved in the lives of about 15 to 20 people. And I know sometimes people try to do more. Like, I'm going to be, I'm going to care for 50 people or 100 people. And it's true, you can care and be kind to them, but you end up having a lot of friends but not a lot of family in the biblical sense, the closeness, the care for each other. You have a lot of friends but not a lot of family. So I'm encouraging us to focus on our small group to focus on that group of people, to love them like family. I mean, obviously love, be kind to each of us, be, be kind to the whole church's family, be kind to everyone for that matter. But in terms of being involved and being committed to someone, I'm saying focus just on your small group at least. At least begin there. Maybe you are better at that and you can care for more, but focus just on your small group at first. Eat together as a family. Show up at each other's house to help each other. Talk with each other. Spend time with each other throughout the week. Treat each other like family. Love each other like family. Because I know that we hear this, you know, Jesus says that you are, this is my family. He's put his hand over us and said, you are my family. 
So we are family in God. And there's this question, how do we work this out? It's by showing love, not just professing or trying to work up feelings, but by showing love to each other. And focusing especially in small groups, at least to begin. It's a great place to start. Some of you might be thinking, okay, so I, I get it. We're, we're family. And we're family because we follow Jesus. And because of him, we are children of God. We're made brothers and sisters in Christ. And I hear you saying, you know, work this out. And a small, a small group is a great place to begin. And maybe some of you ask, okay, what can I do this week? How can I put this into practice this week? And so I'd like you to do just one thing this week. This week, I'd like to do just one thing. is to love someone in your small group. At least one. You know, maybe you are good at this already and you can, you know, love multiple people in your small group that week, this week. Bless you, that will be great. But I would encourage you to love at least one person in your small group this week. And again, I'm not saying, you know, work up sappy feelings for them. You know, if that's okay with you, go ahead. But, but I am saying... Demonstrate love to them. Show them love. Invite them out for coffee just to check in. How are you doing? Or buy them a gift. It doesn't have to be elaborate. Just something that you know they would appreciate. That, that shows them you know who they are, what they like. It would be a blessing to them. Or maybe just write them an encouragement. It doesn't have to be elaborate. It can just be a card or even an email. Just say, I see this in you. Or, I know that you've been struggling with this. I just want to let you know I'm praying for you and I want to encourage you. Send encouragement. Now, I realize that those, both of those things, are, many of those things have to do with words. And maybe you think, you know, I'm not good with words. and That's fine. You know what you can do? You can just call up a friend and say, hey, I'm coming over on Saturday. Is there a project you need help with? I want to help you. Do we serve each other? And those are just four things off the top of my head. Use your imagination. You guys are brilliant people to think about ways to bless, to love someone in your small group. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, how am I going to do that? I'm not part of a small group, Jason. Let me encourage you. This is the week to join one, to get connected to one. What better way to start than by saying, hey, I'd like to be a part of your group and I'm going to bless this person. Imagine what this could begin to look like in our church. I mean, I think we catch a glimpse of it because many of you are a part of a small group already, but imagine what begins to happen as people in our church, as a group in our church, feel like they are being cared for and connected with. That people stop falling through the cracks. Imagine what it would be like to bless someone this week to love someone in your small group or join a small group and love them. Imagine what that would be like. How good that would be. And imagine what that would be like to receive someone blessing you. Think how this begins to strengthen the connection of your small group. What it means for your small group. How you become more connected like family and caring for each other. Then begin to think how that begins to affect our whole church as you are being cared for and loved and connected with. People are showing up and saying, hey, let's go to coffee and asking you, how are you doing? I just want to check in with you. Or someone shows up with this gift that 
that just demonstrates that they get you or they care about you. Or someone calls you up and that project you've been putting off for months now, it finally gets done. Imagine how that begins to strengthen us as a church, as a church family. So that when we say we are a church family, it doesn't even have the hint of lip service, but it feels genuine and true. Imagine what this begins to look like to the community around us. To the people around us who, it seems like for a large part, are just trying to figure out how to make it on their own. You know, maybe they have family here, but there's a lot of people here who are here on their own. They have family who live in Alberta or or in the prairies or, or down the coast. And they don't have a lot of friends or connections here. And so when something goes wrong, they're left to figure it out on their own or pay someone to come do it. Imagine what it looks like to them when they see us caring for each other. That's the sort of thing that I think people see and they say, I want to be a part of something like that. I want to be a part of something, of, of a, a group of people who treat each other like family, like that. That's powerful stuff. So I hear God speaking this morning. As I've been reading this passage and, and praying about it and reflecting on it, at very least, I believe that God desires us to be close, to care for each other like family. So I want you to do one thing this week. Just take one step and care for someone. Love someone in your small group. Amen.